Hello and welcome everybody to the Bring the Sting podcast. I am your host, Evan Birchmore. On today's episode, I'll be diving into everything Charlotte Hornets Summer League, guys. Summer League just wrapped up. Some main takeaways from that, including key players who stood out, some main takeaways again for the team as a whole, and what I think this means for the regular season as we get closer and closer to preseason basketball and ultimately the regular season for the 2021-2022 season, guys. Let's dive on in. So to start the show, just the overall performance of the Hornets Summer League team, right, guys? Obviously, we all know the record. Zero wins, five losses. Not what we were hoping for going in. I said on the previous episode, you know, I really don't take away that much just solely based on the wins and the losses of Summer League, right? Even in the regular season, sometimes I think you can look deeper than pure wins and losses in a vacuum, in a game. Did you play well? Did you not play well? Was it a blowout? Was it close? Especially in Summer League, though, where it's all about development, guys. You know, you don't win NBA championships in Summer League. You can win Summer League championships, but ultimately, how do the guys develop? What are your key takeaways? That being said, I did have a tweet a few nights ago, and and I think a lot of you will share the sentiment that as much as we we know that you know, the wins and losses don't define Summer League. I think we all could agree on that. As a fan, from a purely fan perspective, it is difficult to drop all five games, especially two of them by one point in back-to-back games, guys. You lose to the Spurs by a point. You lose to the Raptors by a point. So those are just those things where, you know, you would have loved to have pulled one of those out. As a whole, the team did not really put up the best offensive performance, averaging 82.8 points per game. Uh, kind of on the low end as far as the Summer League teams. And then, unfortunately, they did lead the Summer League. They led all teams in turnovers per game, guys, right up there around 21 turnovers per game, uh, 20.6 to be exact. So not good statistics, but, again, it's Summer League. This is kind of that time to iron out those kinks. You'd rather that be the case in Summer League than forbid it be the case, you know, in the regular season, and then you kind of have a a whole nother problem on your hands. That being said, I'm going to dive into some individual players that I was encouraged by, some takeaways, and they're kind of the key guys you would be looking for. Your James Booknights, your Kai Jones, Leangelo we'll dive into. So to really start off the episode though, let's go ahead and dive in on James Booknight, guys. Charlotte's first round pick, 11th overall pick. We all know the story. We're all looking forward to what he would show in Summer League. That's always kind of the the main guy I feel like you focus on is that first pick and obviously we know charlotte with the two first round selections had two main guys to be keeping an eye on but especially that first guy off the board to your franchise really want to keep your eyes out on that guy and i was encouraged by what james booknight showed guys obviously we know he led the team in scoring in the summer league right around 17 points per game 16.8 exact to be exact points per game showed some really good things you know the key plays that stick out to me his step back three in that San Antonio game and that pass on a dime to Scotty Lewis in the same game hit Scotty Lewis for a driving layup showed some great court vision. And really, I think the thing with book night, that's sort of the question, right? Is what is his play style offensively? Does he fit into the groove of a bigger offense or is he a solo guy? And I think there's value in both. I don't think it's one or the other. I know that really the NBA and basketball has gone towards this positionless, seamless basketball, if you will, for several years now. And I'm a big fan of that, right? I think really the team that sort of pioneered that was that 2014 
San Antonio Spurs team in the finals. We all know one in five against the Heat, and they really just moved the ball so well on offense. And then Golden State took that and just expounded on that and made it even better. You know, 73 and nine, the championships, three championships, as we all know. So anyways, my bigger point being that I think that basketball as a whole, we've gotten into this train of thought that, you know, you really need your guys to fit into systems of bigger offense. While I do agree with that, I don't want to pretend and say that there is no value in isolation capabilities. And what I mean by that is there's still a place for guys, you know, there's still going to be situations where at the end of a game, it comes down to you need a bucket get the ball to your guy and get out of the way. It does come down to that sometimes, and you can't always rely on just systems 100% of the time. You can rely, rely on them a lot, and I'm a big fan of system basketball. Don't get me wrong. But that being said, I was encouraged by Book Knight. It really – I feel like more out of necessity he had to go solo in Summer League with maybe some not ideal point guard play. And obviously we know with LaMelo running things in the regular season, that will be alleviated. So I'm encouraged by that playing off the ball there at that two guard spot, I think will be a really good fit for him come regular season. Like I said, didn't have the greatest point guard play coming out of summer league. So he kind of had to do some more things on his own. He also faced some pretty tough defenders guys. When you look at just the guys he was matched up with in summer league, got to start with Davion Mitchell, Sacramento Kings, we know what he's about. That was his lowest point total of Summer League, guys. He had 13 points in that game, so that was not his best outing. And really, attribute that to Davion Mitchell. He, count me as one who was a little bit skeptical of that pick initially, you know, on draft night. He looked fantastic. Sacramento looked fantastic. They won the whole Summer League. You know, like I said, that's not, you know, an indicator of future success, if you will, in the regular season, but a solid performance for the Kings. Mitchell's the real deal, at least at this point he is. But you dive even deeper into guys, you know, Trey Jones, Scotty Barnes, guys that Book Knight was matched up against. That's not your typical summer league sort of defender, right? That That's a guy who, you know, that's these guys are, I think, some, some of the better defenders that you could have seen in summer league. So I think it was it was almost like trial by fire. He got thrown right in and had to, you know, sort of adjust on the fly very quickly but overall, very encouraged by James Booknight. He looked he looked great. I'm even more, you know, sold on the pick right now, that 11th pick overall. I was a big fan of it if you listened to the first show. Uh, even more so now, though, having some tape on him, having some, some games under your belt to be able to evaluate. And that'll segue into our second, uh, you know, sort of conversation point here, and that being Kai Jones, guys. You know, your second pick of the draft there in the first round you get him at 19 we talked about that on the first episode he looked great as well I think there was maybe some more question marks with him he's also the more raw prospect right like we mentioned he didn't start playing basketball until he was a bit older and so I think just your timeline of development is not identical for him as it is for a James Booknight and so you have to exercise some more patience and I think it's maybe bullish to expect him to contribute right away, you know, in Charlotte this season and the regular season, I think he'll get some run. He'll get some playing time, I believe. I don't know if he'll be a rotation piece come playoff time, you know, that we cross our fingers is, is you know, something that Charlotte will be, you know, involved in again this year as far as postseason basketball is concerned. But that being said, I was encouraged by him, you know, athleticism off the charts. We knew that, but we were able to see that with some of his dunks, just getting in the open floor, running the floor, you know, he was able to knock down some threes, 
So really looked good, I think. Uh, but like I said, maybe that decision-making is where he has some more room to grow. And I think that's perfect for him. You know, if he's in Greensboro for a little bit, I'm not against that. I definitely see him getting run in Charlotte. But, you know, there's been several excellent players who spent time in the G League. You know, Chris Middleton was a G Leaguer. You know, there's been several other guys who who have spent time there. And it, not everybody is ready to be a day one contributor. And so I think you have to have perspective when thinking about Kai Jones and thinking, okay, this is a longer term, I don't want to label him a project, but a longer term sort of development, if you will. Overall, though, encouraged by the takeaways from him. Something I want to dive into, and I'm sure that some of you have seen the same on Twitter, specifically comparisons, right? And I talked a little bit about comparisons on the first episode as far as, look, I understand the reason behind comparisons, because in my mind, it's easier to sort of judge a player if you know what he's going to become. You want to compare him to a known commodity, so that way you have some sort of litmus test for what you can expect this person to become, what you can expect this, you know, this prospect to turn into. That being said, some of the unrealistic comparisons, I think, lose me a little bit as far as, is that really fair to this prospect to compare him to LeBron James? You know, not everybody is the next LeBron James. Not every quarterback is the next Tom Brady, right? Like, we know that. And, and I think when you take a step back and think logically, most people agree with that. It's just we get so wrapped up in these comparisons that, you know, sometimes you end up seeing stuff. Where I'm going at with this in regards to Kai Jones is this comparison I've been seeing to Giannis. And taking a step back, I don't want to totally discredit that. I understand where that's coming from. The build, just physically, you know, not too dissimilar from Giannis. The play style as of now, not that dissimilar from Giannis, or at least a young Giannis, right? With that being said, Giannis just carried his team to the NBA championship. And I think just the way that comparison comes off throws some people off. And I understand where that's coming from. Again, like I said, there is some elements of truth to that where I can understand those comparisons. But where you have to have to sort of separate that is that's not saying that that will be his level of impact. His play style is similar to that. It's the it's the Steph Curry Trey Young thing I mentioned on the first episode where you know when Trey Young entered the draft oh well his comparison is Steph Curry does that mean he's as good as Steph Curry it will have the impact of a Steph Curry no that means facets of his game are reminiscent of Steph Curry and you can tell that you know he watched him growing up and maybe has modeled some things after a guy like a Steph Curry I don't know if Kai Jones watched a whole lot of Giannis growing up but that being said I understand it from that perspective. Just, and I think most everyone would agree with me, let's not put that burden of expectation on him right now. That That's not fair to anybody. That's obviously not fair to Kai Jones. But that being said, going to go ahead and dive into the third and fourth picks that Charlotte made here in the draft. Those being JT Thor and Scotty Lewis and their performances in the summer league, guys. I was very encouraged by these guys again. Sound like I'm beating a drum, but I was very just encouraged by all of the draft picks. You know, I know we mentioned the 0-5 record, but when you dive in individually on the players, like I said, and look at what did they show you from a development standpoint, you look at a guy in a JT Thor. You got him in the second round. He was your second leading scorer at 10 points a game. He had five boards a game, and that was on, you know, not a whole lot of minutes. He wasn't, you know, playing the most minutes on the team by any stretch. So he was one who took advantage of his opportunity hundred percent to the utmost. He, he got out there and he got it done. 
I was encouraged. And I saw several of you have probably seen the highlight of him where he had the crossover dunk, you know, and I, I just want to see him get some run in Charlotte just so we can hear the broadcast team say Thor drops the hammer on a dunk like that. Just, I would really love to see that. I think we have so many great potential nicknames uh, with these rookies, but I digress. JT Thor looked great to me. You know, obviously, again, not expecting him to be a huge contributor this year, but he's definitely one who will get some run up in Greensboro. I expect some good things from him as far as that's concerned. Now, Scotty Lewis as well, guys, showed some really solid defense. And then toward the end of summer league, particularly in that game against the Bulls, he ran some point guard. And like I mentioned, point guard was a weak spot on this team. It's sort of the inverse of what the regular season was this past year, where point guard was your strongest position with LaMelo and center was sort of the weak spot. We almost had a log jam in the front court in summer league. And then some, you know, not a, not ideal performances from the point guard position. But that being said, Scotty Lewis, I think, showed some flashes in that game against the Bulls. Now, is he going to come in and get run at point guard in Charlotte this year? I doubt it. Maybe he will, but obviously not, you know, extensive run where you have LaMelo and then Ish Smith backing him up will be your primary backup point. I personally think Terry Rogier could get some minutes at the point. You know, he's played point for a while in Boston as well. I think back to that 2018 playoff run Boston went on where Rogier played a lot of point for them. So that being said, I don't see Scotty Lewis getting a ton of run at point in Charlotte this year, but I think he could show you some things for the swarm and he showed you some things against Chicago you know, in the game against the Bulls where, you know, you, you thought, okay, there's something here that we can work with. And again, like I said, the defense as well showed some really good versatility on that end. And obviously, you know, defense, I feel like more so than offense even is, do you want to be a good defender? And when you're a second round pick, just that mentality is I'm going to get after it. I'm going to do what I can control. I'm going to be the best defender I can be. I love that mindset from a guy like a Scotty Lewis, from a guy like a JT Thor, so those being my takeaways on those two prospects, I was very encouraged from that point of view. So diving into the one we've all been waiting for, that being Mr. Leangelo Ball. Obviously, probably the most well-known name on the team, or if not the most well-known name, you know, obviously just one of the bigger storylines on the team, obviously. As a guy, we know the story, LaMelo, Lonzo, Leangelo, LaVar, and, and when these rumors leaked a few weeks ago, uh, well, Jello's working out in the facility. He ended up on an Instagram story with some of the Hornets guys, you know, and I remember the team tweeted out the video, but they didn't include Leangelo in the video. And it was sort of like, okay, is, is there some truth to this? Are they trying to keep this under wraps? Well, it turns out he's on the summer league team. It's exceeded my expectations. Honestly, I, I thought it was sort of a, I don't want to, say it was almost sort of like a, a favor to, to the ball family until a mellow, maybe you're giving him a chance, you know, and then you can say, Oh, well, we gave him a chance. He was on the team, but I think he played well enough to legitimately warrant a spot in Greensboro. Did he play well enough to break the rotation in Charlotte or to be in Charlotte? Personally, I don't think so, but I think he played well enough to get a spot on the swarm and to go up there. He showed some good things from three, some good awareness. I mean, a, a catch and shoot three point guy. And, there's worse things to have than a catch-and-shoot three-point guy. There's always going to be a need for that, especially now with how heavily emphasized the three-point shot is in the NBA. It's the same in the G League, and I really think Jello showed some good things from that point of view. Now, the comparison I've made as far as just the situation, right, obviously not their play styles, but Giannis's brother in Milwaukee, uh, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, 
on the team, doesn't really get a whole lot of playing time on the team, as we know. But they've done that almost as sort of a, you know, they keep him around. It's great for him to be there with Giannis being there and then to have his brother there as well, especially him as an international, you know, prospect coming from Greece. So obviously the Ball family's from America, but having Jello in the Hornets organization, and I mentioned this on the first show, is I think just uh, it's a good first start or a good first step, if you will, right? As far as you want to make the Ball family feel at home, you want to make sure that Jello is taken care of. You want to make sure that LaMelo, first and foremost, is taken care of as your franchise player, guys. And look, I said this on the first show. I'll say it again. The NBA is a star-driven league, and you have to have stars to win in the NBA. Really, the most recent team that's won a championship without a true superstar was the Detroit Pistons all the way back in 2004, and they were a beneficiary of a Lakers team that was sort of you know, self-destructing. And I don't want to take anything away. That was an excellent Pistons team. I remember watching that team. You know, you think Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, Tayshawn Prince, Ben Wallace, you know, some some legends in their own right, but nobody who is a bona fide superstar. And so you look at that, and then you look at every other team that's won a championship since then, and they've all had a superstar, whether it was Durant, it was Curry, it was LeBron, it was Giannis, it was Kawhi, it was Tim Duncan. You know, it was always somebody there's it's a star driven league you have to have stars you take care of your stars that's just the environment guys and so with that being said i like what charlotte's doing with the ball family i would expect jello to get a spot in greensboro like i said he played well enough i think to warrant a spot in greensboro not a spot in charlotte not a spot to sit on the bench in charlotte a spot in greensboro to continue developing which is the entire point of the g league so with that being said I was encouraged by it. My takeaway is kind of in the middle, though, as far as I, I get on Twitter and we see the reactions, and I'm sure all of you do as well, and you say, oh, well, Jello should be in Charlotte. You know, he's the best shooter on the roster right now. I don't really think that's a fair takeaway. But also, I think he deserves the spot in Greensboro. I don't think he's a total bust, and I don't agree with the people who say, you know, play him zero minutes and bench him for the whole summer league and then cut him, you know, and he's no good at basketball. Look, he's – He's a G League level player. That's my takeaway. I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to underreact to what we saw in the Summer League from Jello. All right, and then getting into some other guys who maybe exceeded expectations or failed to meet expectations, maybe some overall takeaways, guys. Like I mentioned, the point guard spot in sort of a, an ironic twist from the regular season, right, where point guard was a strong point for this team and center was the weak spot. Here in the Summer League, I feel like the front court was sort of overloaded with guys fighting for minutes, and then your point guard spot sort of suffered. And not to throw anybody under the bus, but uh, as you know, Grant Riller has moved on to Philadelphia, didn't have the greatest summer league showing uh, overall. And obviously, you know, as of recording the show, he's no longer with the franchise. So I'm not going to spend too much time on that one. Uh, but then as far as some guys you look in the front court, as far as guys fighting for minutes, you know, you think of Vernon Carey and Nick Richards and guys who maybe, you know, were outshined a little bit by a Kai Jones, by even a JT Thor. And it's not that they necessarily played poorly, but those other guys just made maybe more of an impact. And you think, okay, who's going to be kind of that next guy up behind a Mason Plumley? Because I fully expect Mason Plumley to be your starting center come opening night. But who develops into that, you know, sort of next man up, if you will? I think Kai Jones long-term is that guy, but who's going to be that guy, you know, this year for Charlotte? And so maybe just some takeaways 
uh, as far as the front court spots are concerned, you know, and, and and that'll be a battle that keeps going on, right? There's nothing definitive coming out of summer league as far as final roster, you know, who, who's going to get the minutes for the whole rest of the regular season. I don't think that decision is only based on these five games in Las Vegas. That being said, you know, diving into some other guys, you look at a Colboca, you know, and maybe, maybe a little bit of disappointment there where there's a lot of hype with him now as, you know, the whole contract situation and now he's back with the summer league team and, and maybe just people expecting some things from him and didn't even play poorly, but there was just a lot of hype going into it. And when you fail to meet that hype, then it seems disappointing, even though, you know, maybe it wasn't a horrible performance, you know, from, from a guy in a Colboca, but maybe the people expecting him to again, be a, a big contributor for, for Charlotte this year, maybe pump the brakes on that. But that's kind of the main takeaways from the Summer League, guys. I want to go ahead and dive into one more topic here on the show today, and that is LaMelo Ball's recent GQ article, guys. I'm sure you've seen it out on Twitter, out on the web, Instagram, what have you. LaMelo was recently interviewed by GQ uh, magazine and some quotables coming out of that and some things that people are really reacting very strongly to. In particular, saying that he wants to win a championship in Charlotte. Look, we all love to hear that, right? That's what you want to hear. I don't think that there would be a player who would come out and say, no, I'm not interested in winning. I don't want to be in this city. You know, maybe somebody would. But as far as just being able to hear that, though, and obviously, you know, at the end of the day, sports is competition. All these guys want to win. But just being able to hear your franchise player, your young franchise cornerstone say that, it, it sits well with the fan base. It really buys him more goodwill than, you know, he already has all the goodwill in Charlotte, but, you know, only good vibes from that. But then as far as some other things I want to dive into, he made some comments about college and and sort of the lack of a need for college for him, right? And again, people are going to overreact to this. And I, and I saw it on the Twitter feed, right? People taking this, you know, all sorts of different directions. I really agree with him in principle. Now, look, in a vacuum, maybe the quotes come off as being a little unaware of the environment that he's, you know, speaking to men, right? You know, where, okay, look, look, he's not a person who necessarily needs college basketball. And I know this is an NBA podcast, but as far as just college basketball is concerned, I think guys are now realizing more and more that there are legitimate options other than NCAA basketball to get to the league. I mean, we saw Jalen Green and Jonathan Kamunga come out of the G League this year and be high lottery picks, you know, in the NBA draft and then show some good things in the summer league where, you know, when a guy can go and he can make money for himself and do the same thing he would be doing in college, except in college, he would be playing for free. At the end of the day, you know, there's there's totally valid reasons for that. And we all know LaMelo played pro, you know, before coming to Charlotte down in Australia. And I think even from a development standpoint, that's like a legitimate professional league, right? Whereas college is legitimate too. Like the competition is good, but, you know, it's not like he's playing pickup YMCA basketball and just sort of burning a year and he's going to come in and be super raw, right? I mean, he's no more or less developed than I think he would have been at, you know, UCLA or, you know, college XYZ. I, I think that really people take that and it's just so different than what we're used to that they overreact to it. Right. And so I think, look, in a vacuum, maybe the comments come off as maybe just a little bit unaware of 
the surroundings that he's saying these quotes to in and, and maybe just a little bit, you know, ignorant of some things, but they're not really. Take a step back, think about what he's saying and what position he is in personally. I really have no problem with what he said. But again, just diving into that is, you know, getting that GQ interview in the article. I've just seen all these reactions on Twitter and online today in particular and uh, yesterday in particular, and really just wanted to, to get that out there. I, I don't think it's anything to really overreact to uh, from that point of view. All right, but with that being said, guys, kind of next up, uh, and it's still quite a ways off, but preseason basketball has been announced. So that'll be coming up here in October again, but sort of some things as far as the vision of bring the sting until then. I mentioned on the last show, we diving into some more specific topics. So obviously today we went through Summer League and then the, the uh, LaMelo Ball GQ interview. Uh, but then we'll also talk about maybe, uh, you know, some position unit previews, some expectations for individual players for the year coming up. You know, we'll do a piece on just several different individual players and then maybe some projections for the season as a whole, guys. And again, like I mentioned last time as well, going to get these podcasts set up to take listener voicemails as well. Uh, so once that's set up, I'll definitely let you guys know how to get those in and we'll get those featured on the show. Uh, again, follow us. We're on Twitter at underscore bring the sting. Again, that's at underscore bring the sting. My personal account's at Evan Birchmore. I'll be sure to interact on that account as well. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in today, though. Until next time.